Before we start the show, I have an amazing resource for my producers out there. Do you also sell your beats online? If you make and sell beats online, I've teamed up with Legion Beats and Anno Domini to bring you a free live marketing training for producers. This training literally changed my life. I mean, I wouldn't even be hosting this podcast right now if it wasn't for this training. They're going to be talking about how they each sold over $1 million of beats online without relying on tons of subscribers or followers. And they're also going to show you how you can clone their system with a couple mouse clicks by following three hidden secrets that they'll be sharing on the training. Sound good? Well, if so, sign up right now. Just go to bit.ly forward slash free producer training. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash free producer training. I hope it brings you some value. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the Boise Graham Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Marks. It is my mission to help up-and-coming rappers, singers, and producers through hyper-focused coaching, practical advice, and lots of free resources. Each month, we'll bring you an inspiring person or lesson that will motivate you to reach your maximum potential and take your music career to the next level. Now grab a pen and paper to take notes, open your mind, and let the voicey brand begin. Welcome to the Voicey Grand Podcast. I am your host, Robin Marks, and I am super pumped, super excited to introduce one of the most talented people that I know, one of the most amazing human beings, Mr. Arthur Lewis. Arthur, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, as you know, you know, I, I believe you're super duper, you know, talented, but also I believe like you're an inspiration to many. And I want to talk about like your superhero origin story, right? Like you're this talented pianist, this talented singer, vocalist, but there's also like a backstory that maybe um, folks don't know about. So just walk us through like your origin story, what got you into music, what inspired you early on, and just your journey to where you are now. And you don't have to give us, you know, every detail, but if you can give us five five minutes of just your story. Sure, so, Growing up, you know, I grew up in Queens, um, and I just had a very musical family. I mean, my my mom liked to sing a lot. My dad was a, a songwriter. He worked, you know, a day job, but he was always uh, writing songs, and, like, he would get me and my sister in on background vocals and stuff. Um, and so I just always sang as a kid, and I was like, I was like the boy soprano in the choir, you know? Um, and that just kind of turned into continuing to sing and like be in bands in school and like do a little musical theater and that kind of thing. And then I think, I think the big moment for me was I was like maybe 15. And up until then I had just thought of myself as a singer and I like knew all these kids who like took piano lessons and, um, and I had this like epiphany. I was like, no, I need to learn the piano and like, learn to like really play music and I went to my mom and I was like I really need to take piano lessons so I can do this with my life and she was like what um but to her credit like she made it work 
Um, and so I started taking piano then and like that just kind of turned into, oh, I guess I'm like a musician now. This is what I want to do. Um, and, you know, opportunities came and went and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, 25 years later, here I am. Yep. Yep. And you went to Yale, right? Yep. Tell us about your time at Yale and how that influenced your creative process or just you as a musician. <sighs> Yale was tough for me because it's a very like it, it was you know back then it was a very like academic um music program um like i couldn't even get voice lessons because i didn't sing the right way um for them um i did take some piano lessons but like i, I mean i learned some stuff i learned some theory i managed to take the one like jazz theory class they had uh and i took some other like classical stuff but it didn't really like I didn't really flourish it as a musician there. I made some friends, I played some stuff, I sang in a cappella group for a year. All of those were great experiences, but it wasn't really until I left that I like started to uh, look at myself and like what I, like kind of what I had in me and what I wanted to do and felt like I had the space to start doing it. Wow. So I remember when I first met you and John Brayman, who's the godfather of ukulele hip hop, you know, quick plug. Um, and I knew that you guys went to Yale. I remember thinking to myself, like, I need to hang out with these guys because they're smart, but also they're super talented. Talk to me a little bit about uh, artists out there who are maybe um, keeping to themselves and not like going out and collaborating, networking with others, especially others who might have um, skill sets that they don't possess yet. You know what I mean? They might be growing on a level that they're not at yet. And and maybe they're a little concerned about their pride and, you know, they're not open. Can you talk to me about how collaborations and connecting with others has impacted your career? And also, what would you say to someone who's kind of stuck in their silo? Well, it's funny because that's me. You're describing me mostly. Um, I spent, I don't know how long, um, like, sure that, like, for my music, for like music that has my name on it, I had to do it myself, just me. You know, I spent years making my um, first EP that I put out 12 years ago and I, you know, did it all by myself, didn't want anyone else involved. Um, and I like had some help on the like labely markety side sort of, um, but it didn't go anywhere. Um, and then I spent another like eight years not able to put out anything else because I still felt like I needed to do it by myself. Mm. Um, and I like just couldn't I couldn't move forward I didn't know how to move forward um, and I'm like just in the past few years starting to consider the idea of um, okay I can still make music, some music that has my name on it with other people um, but my uh, my way of splitting it has always been that I go out and make music with other people like and it's their stuff mm -hmm. you know and that can kind of recharge me like I'd go do a gig with John or I'd go do a gig with um Joel who as you know is part of this this group with us in the melting pot um and those those gigs would be like something that would give me back some energy to come back in and do my like not necessarily so healthy hermit thing yep um yeah would it be fair to say that the collaborations where maybe you're not taking ownership of the the actual creation the song or the product whatever it is 
is kind of like the gateway to the personal creation for you? Is that like what you need to charge you up? So if someone's at home, they're like, I'm just like a hermit stuck in here. Do you believe that them branching out to kind of collaborate with people could give them that push that they need to create on their own? You know, I do. I think I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of like, I know everything I need to know. Um, and like, I know what other people know and like bringing them in isn't gonna, isn't necessarily gonna help me because like, I know what they're gonna do and that thing that they're gonna do isn't gonna give me what I need. But then you actually go out and work with other people and other stuff happens, you know, stuff that you didn't expect, stuff that you um, weren't planning for. And that like changes the way you think about music and the way that you like think about yourself and your role and your connection to everybody. Um, and so I can then take that back and say, oh, um, you know, here's an example, actually. So um, in this this uh, other group I'm in, Freestyle of Supreme, the, like, it's like a, a, you know, freestyle rap, improv, hip hop, comedy thing. Um, I only sing a little bit in this group. I basically sing like in this one song um, in the middle of the show. And it's... Uh, it's like the instrumentation is usually the same. It's like piano, congas, and me singing like kind of R&B ballad, like that kind of style. And at some point I realized that what I was doing in that show, what these guys had convinced me to do essentially was, was closer to like what I should be doing, like what felt like my, my power mm -hmm. than what I was doing as a musician while trying to figure it out on my own. Wow. If that makes sense. Like I no, was it makes a lot of sense. I was doing all this stuff with a band um, and like, you know, big, like sometimes I had horns and that kind of thing. And I was like trying to strip it down. And I was like, wait, I just want to recapture what I'm doing in this show that wasn't really my idea. Mm -hmm. Like, so they boiled down, the they yeah. boiled it down for you and helped you to like kind of put a magnifying glass on your strengths. Is that what yeah, happened? Exactly. Like, I think especially if you're the kind of the person who tends to, you know, keep to yourself it can be really hard to identify your own strengths and weaknesses. Mm. Um, and I think working with other people um, can really help uh, sort of, as you said, like put a magnifying glass on that. Love it. Thank you so much, Arthur. So let's talk about, um, you know, Freestyle Love Supreme. Why don't sure. you tell us about like, well, let me start with a story if that's okay. So yeah. um, me and Arthur go way back. What has it been? 10 or 15 years we've been friends for a long time uh, yeah it's been a while it's i stopped be counting because i don't want to know how old i am <laughs> <laughs> but um so i invite author to and a couple other of our friends to come to my daughter's uh first birthday party so we're at this cookout at the park it's beautiful man like literally uh a, a, a hawk flew down and attacked the pigeon <laughs> do you remember that that was so cool we have footage of it. Maybe I'll put it in the show oh, notes. But man. like there was a hawk that flew down in McCarran Park in Brooklyn, New York, and swooped in and killed the pigeon. All of the children, my son, Joel's daughter, all of the kids were like ah, freaking out. And me. And, and we, I was just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So we have this epic moment at my birth at my daughter's birthday party, and I remember it like yesterday. We were like doing a check in and you told me like, yeah, you know, I'm pumped because I got this gig on Broadway. And I remember being so happy for you. But 
the thing about this story is it just shows like how humble you are because you didn't go into details about it right so mm. fast forward so now i know my friend is on broadway and i'm thinking like maybe he's in like a broadway play like you know he's an extra or something i don't know the detail because he didn't go into the whole spiel so then i'm watching jimmy fallon <laughs> and i'm like what the heck he didn't say it was with you know Emmanuel, like, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, that's my friend. So I was right then, I was like, this guy is so humble. So I wanted to just kind of lead with that story to, you know, share with everyone how humble you are and how that is kind of um, inspiring to me. Because, you know, I come from like the MC rap, braggadocious, you know, you know me, right? I'm like, yo, what's up? Hands up, look at me, right? And you've always been in the back, but like, you know, you've always been like laser sharp with your 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 skills, and that's something that always inspired me. So, talk to us a little bit about that um, opportunity, how it presented it, how it presented itself, and you know what it's done for you so far. Sure. So, um, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda and I went to elementary and high school together. So, I've known him since we were eight years old, um, and uh, you know, we did a lot of music together in school and then in like 2003 he was uh he was working on um a production of his uh musical in the heights uh with a small um production company and he and one of the guys who ran the company started this little like weird improv show where they would uh get up with a dj the two of them and i think maybe a singer and just like make up raps um for like a comedy audience and one day he was over at my house we were working on uh i think we were working on some music for like a political campaign or something and he was like listen you should come down and play this show that i've been doing and i was like no that's not that's not my thing at all i'm not even a little bit interested in that and he was just like no you're doing it i'm gonna bring my keyboard and all you have to do is show up you can even i just learned this part recently i think he said i can even like not do it I can decide when I'm there if I don't want to do it, but I just got to show up. Like, All right. This um, is 03. This is like 03. This is 03. And yep. I show up and it's this like, you know, small, uh, I think it was the Pitt Theater um, on 23rd Street. And it's just like this very silly, like everybody's kind of running around and like turning into various characters and rapping. And I got up and I played and it was so fun that I kept doing it. Um, but I had to be dragged, you know, kicking and screaming into it. Um, and that has kind of been my history with that show. Um, I had to be dragged kicking and screaming into singing in the show. Um, and it just like over time, we just did all this stuff. You know, we tried a TV series. We tried um, another TV series. Uh, we did, uh, I can't remember all the crazy like, you know, turns and things, but somehow like 15 years in it was like let's do a run off broadway um and then that off broadway run got really good reviews so it's like all right let's take it to broadway and then it's like oh okay now i'm on broadway all right wow which was never a dream of mine i think one of the most interesting things about my career um for better or for worse so far has been like it's kind of forrest gumpy Mm -hmm. like i just like oh yeah i was on broadway for four months like that happened um, I didn't, I wasn't trying to be on Broadway. I didn't especially like being on Broadway, but it was like a thing that happened, you know? 
Um, and there's been a lot of stuff, especially through Freestyle at Supreme, where like opportunities have come to me and I'm like, sure, why not? Let's do this. Tell me but about it's not the kick where I would have gone. Tell me about the kicking and screaming, because I believe that, you know, there are folks out there who are facing opportunities or getting opportunities and kind of facing them with resistance. And they're like, I don't know about that. That's that thing. And from what you're saying, these amazing opportunities, you were, you know, kicking and screaming uh when the opportunities were presented to you so talk to me about that and what kind of got you over that hump of saying all right i'm gonna give in and is there anything you've learned over the years about kind of just riding that wave and saying like you know what let me just do it and see where this goes there are two things that i really that really make me uncomfortable um I mean, there are a lot of things because I'm, you know, kind of an anxious person. But there are two major things in this respect. One is uh, performing on stage, um, and the really? other one is, oh yeah, no, I, I would have never guessed. <laughs> uh, um, I love it, but I hate it. Uh, so one is performing on stage, and the other is. Uh, sorry, I just realized that I cursed, and I wasn't sure if that was okay. It was totally an accident. I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. Thank you. Um, yeah, so one is performing on stage and the other one is like doing things that I don't know for sure that I can do already. Mm. Like, you know, saying like, oh yeah, I can do that even though I haven't like necessarily practiced it the whole way or I haven't done it before or like like making that jump. Those two things are both like, they fill me with with, you know, terror and those are the things you need to do to succeed as a musician. So like not knowing what's next, but you're in an improv freestyle group. <laughs> yeah, and well, what's funny about that group is um, that that part doesn't bother me. Not knowing what's coming in the moment is okay because mm -hmm. I have developed the skill for that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, um, sometimes we'll do, uh, we'll do like a talk, like a, a panel or an interview or something. And I'll be put on the spot in a way that I was not, uh, that I haven't like done a million times. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to sing the, hook for the song in this way, even though I've sung the song hook for the song in that way, hundreds of times. Um, it's like that kind of stuff. And yeah. I think that that has been one of the things that's those two things that, and like just being scared of performing in general, have been the things that have held me back the most. Um, and, and how have you overcome that? I don't know, to be honest, I think, um, in a lot of ways I haven't. Mm. Um, a lot of it has been just like figuring out what I'm, figuring out like what's, which, which, which ways of making myself uncomfortable are the most worth it. You know, like if someone asks me to go do something that makes me uncomfortable and it doesn't pay any money and I don't necessarily want to work with them you know, like if there's if there isn't something else that's pulling, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mm -hmm. spend my my like limited willpower on that. But if it's like a big opportunity, um, I just have to use my like rational brain and say like, I got to suck it up and do it. This yeah. is something that is important for my goals. Um, I'll figure out the rest. I'll be scared. I'll I'll do whatever it is as long as I know that it's something that is, you know, important for me, you know? Love it. So I have another question. Yeah. So many say that you and the Freestyle Love Supreme crew are redefining American theater. 
what would you say to that? How does that make you feel from your like journey that people are saying that right now about you and your crew? I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know that much about American theater to begin with, to be honest. Like I've just been doing this show. Like I don't do a lot of theater. Um, it is funny that this thing has turned into what it did. Uh, it is cool that it's inspiring people to do things like this. That's really exciting. Um, but I'm also kind of in the background, you know? Um, I'm not, uh, I don't feel like I'm creating the things that are inspiring innovation as much as I'm inspiring people emotionally. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense. Like, pe I, like I get the people here and see what I do and it's, it's moving to them and it inspires them to do something and that's wonderful and that makes me feel great. Um, but, you know, statements like that, like changing the face of yada 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 i'm like i'm not really doing that like i sort of am but like not really i feel like someone else is doing that and i'm yep. there with them that's good that's you know? good um <laughs> so tell me about um let's just go back a little bit so let's talk sure. about your mom encouraging you once you say to her like hey i want to play the piano yeah talk to me a little bit about her and what she meant to you in terms of your you know, just you as a man, but also yeah. as a musician. Sure. Um, so my relationship with my mom and music is, uh, it's funny. Um, so my mom was a dancer when I was a kid. Well, she basically quit dancing when we were kids um, and went to, I don't know. It's one of the, so my mom is, um, my mom was Haitian and she was a Haitian immigrant and she, did not like to talk about her uh, past. Mm. She didn't. She just didn't like to talk about herself. Um, so I'm like trying to tell this story, and I'm like, "Wait, did this happen? No, did that happen?" I'm like, a little. Um, but she was a dancer, and she, um, at some point, transitioned when we were kids to being a social worker. Uh, but there was always an element in my performing that she saw her own performing. Like I would do a musical on stage in high school and she would say, oh, that thing you did, that reminded me, reminds me of the shows I used to do with this guy. Um, and like, that was both good and bad. You know, it meant that she was uh, supportive, but it also meant that there was a sense of like, am I doing the right, if, I, if I'm doing it in this way, I mean, is it still right if it's not the way that she was doing it? Or the shape, the way that she wanted to do it, and that's mostly in my head. I don't think it was very explicit, um, but I think in general, you know, you know, my parents like when I went to college and tried to major in music, they were like, "Why would you major in music? Major in something that will make you money." But to their credit, they didn't actually stop me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like um, they were always supportive, and they always said, like, especially my mom was always like, "Well, you." Like, what are you doing to make money? Like, how are you going to figure this out? How are you going to be an adult? Like, she's trying to be a parent in that way. But um, I always made it work. Um, so there was always the, she would come to my shows, um, especially when my sister started singing with me over time. Like, my mom would come to my shows. Um, yeah, so I think she was a big uh, supporter musically. Um, 
when she, so she passed away in 2018, um, she didn't get to see um, us off Broadway or on Broadway, um, which was tough. I think that if there was anyone who would have cared, like really cared mm -hmm. that I was on Broadway, it was her, much more than I did. Because I, you know, never, it was never a goal for me, but I think for her, when we were uh, younger, when Lynn was doing his first two Broadway shows, she would always say like, when is he gonna put you in one of his shows? And I'd be like, that's not, that's not what I do. I'm not an actor. I don't want to be in a Broadway show. Um, but like, uh, yeah, that would have been, I think, nice for her. Um, there was something I wanted to say about that, which was, ah, yes. I think, um, you know, when my mom passed, uh, I sort of realized that there were a lot of things that she had sort of wanted to do all her life that she hadn't done. Um, she'd always wanted to buy a house for herself and it just had never happened. And there were reasons for that and she was happy and, you know, et cetera. But I realized that I was doing the same thing to some extent, that I was almost 40 and that I had these kind of dreams for how I wanted my life to be, um, but I was not moving as quickly as I should be. Uh, so, you know, I talked to my wife and we'd had a plan already for me to do this, but, um, I talked to my wife and I, I was like, it's, it's time, it's time for me to, to, it's time for us to figure out how I can leave my job, um, and focus on building a career in music. Mm. Um, and I think, I think losing my mom was a big catalyst for that. Um, but I, you know, I wish I'd been able to figure that out a long, a much longer time ago, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, Arthur, and I Thanks, appreciate man. you being so um, candid with that testimony yeah. because I think there are people out there who, you know, are experiencing loss, especially in this season. You know, there are a lot yeah. of people who are facing these challenges, and many of them are creators. And for me, as you know, I lost my mom as well, and yeah. I've always used it as, you know, kind of like motivation because she didn't get to see any of the stuff that I did. And yeah. It, you know, I, I often, you know, wish that she could, but, you know, um, I try my best to still use it as some form of motivation to keep going. And yeah. also, you know, my kids now are another level. So talk to me a little bit about that, about being a dad and how that has, um, you know, kind of influenced your your work and your your creativity. Yeah, I think there are a few things. Um, when my daughter Lucy was first born, I... I was writing a lot of little songs for her, um, just like walking around with a ukulele, like just like I'd write a little song like about like her being like the smoochiest schmoo or whatever, you know. And like those are still some of my favorite melodies that I've written recently. Um, but it just like it sort of rekindled something. I think I had lost uh, a little bit of creativity before she was born. Um, a little bit of like I was just I had this kind of writer's block period for a few years. Um, and, but another thing that kind of happened, uh, I sometimes get lost in as when I'm thinking about myself as an as an artist, you know, capital A artist, which I try to do less and less because I just I don't like that word. Um, uh, I kind of get lost in like what my identity is, like which direction I want to go in, who who my audience is, what who I'm doing it for, yada yada yada. Um, and one of the things that really helped me about her. Um, was thinking about her as my audience 
um, thinking about like the young version, like an older version, well, older when this happened, but a like small kid version of my daughter as the person I'd be playing my music for. Um, so like no, none of the like judgment you feel out in the grown up world of like whether this like, you know, speaks to the tradition of blah, 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 or like yada, 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 just like, is this fun? Does it make me feel something, you know? Like that kind of like stuff that you're supposed to, I would just imagine my kid responding to it that way. Um, and that kind of helps me too. Um, and the other thing is it really helps me focus. You know, once you have a kid, you don't have time for nonsense. You know, you, uh, you certainly know. Um, and so like, especially with this pandemic, like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but like the first few months I was basically just full-time childcare. Um, and like, I would get these little times here and there to work on stuff. And it was like, all right, I really have to focus on like what makes me happy and like what's actually like useful in the long term. And that really helped me just like pull it together and stop doing like random stuff that didn't matter or like um, get out of my head about all the possibilities. It was like, yeah, there are a lot of possibilities, but which, which one matters? Yep. Um, and that, yeah, having a kid and having and this pandemic um, really helps me focus that in. Yeah, I, I remember you and I spoke I think it's when I first told you that I was making beats. And yeah. you're like, how do you find the time? I mean, I still don't know. I still don't know how you do it. And I think what you're saying with the pandemic, it it did the same thing for me because yeah. I was juggling all of these balls, right? And I'm trying to like do it. And I'm like this midnight, you know, late night producer and beat seller. And then this happened and like you and, and many families, I'm sure, and and you know, and parents out there. Like I was like teaching my, I have a, you know, a 10 year old and he's in elementary school and he's doing remote learning. So like now I'm yeah. the teacher, I'm the daycare um, teacher for my two year old. And then I'm also married and I have to like have a relationship with my wife and I'm a full time employee. So I'm working yeah. from home and I'm sitting here like, how are people doing this? And I think what I've done is what you did is like focus on what are my priorities? So like, yes, I, a priority my pecking order is like my family first, right? Yeah. And then comes, you know, my music and and then my professional career. And for me, I think that the extra stuff kind of got filtered out in this season, which is good for me because I, I yeah. got to kind of weed out some of the toxic stuff that maybe I shouldn't be doing, you know? And um, I'm really excited about getting through this, but I feel a lot of pain for everyone who's suffering because I know like I don't have it so bad I know that yeah. you know and I'm that's what I try to do is like look outward before I start looking inward like oh my god what are we gonna do I got oh my god I gotta watch my kids like some people like I gotta feed my kids you know what I'm saying yeah. um so I appreciate you sharing that um I got another question for you sure. so have you ever wanted to quit um Yeah. Um, Tell me about depends. that. I, yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean. I think I, I've i never wanted to stop making music um, because I can't. Uh, I, you know, I sometimes think about, like, what would happen if, like, 
I lost my voice or like, uh, you know, I've had various wrist injuries and like, I think about what would happen if I like couldn't use my hands anymore. And I still like, my mind still figures out, okay, well, I would do this to make music or I would do that to make music. Um, Cause that like making music in general is just like, it'd be like quitting talking to other humans or like mm. eating food for me. But um, the whole, you know, what I was saying before, like this idea of a capital A artist, um, I think about stopping doing that all the time um, because it's, it's such a journey into my own um, stuff, you know, my own personal stuff. Um, and it's such a challenge a lot of the time. Like, it's so much easier to uh, do an assignment for someone else. You know, if someone says like, hey, help me write this song. Okay. Hey, play this gig for me. Okay. Like those things are, those things work well. Sometimes they pay well. Um, and they, they like don't have so much like emotional digging and confusion and challenge in them. Um, and sometimes when I'm trying to do like, you know, Arthur Lewis writes a song and records it, it's just like, oh God, like, is it worth, is this worth the, the, the difficulty? Um, that's been less true recently. I think that was, that happened a lot. I had a, I had a pretty rough late twenties, early thirties. Um, I was just like very depressed, um, and just had a lot of trouble, um, especially with my like music and stuff, uh. And so I felt, I think I felt that a lot then, a lot more than I do now. These days, now that I'm 40, it feels more like a calculation. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, 40 years old, I have a family. Um, I have like, like other, like I'm also a software developer. I don't do that mu as much anymore. I was doing it full time for a while. Um, but it's like, I have avenues for like uh, income that like are not, they're kind of fun. Um, and so it becomes more of a logistical question of like how many of these things uh, it's kind of like what I was saying before, how much, how much tough stuff do I want to do, you know, at any given time. Um, but then at the same time, when I do do it and when it, when it's working, I love it, you know? So there's always a trade off. Um, tell me about I the capital A artists. If you don't yeah, mind, just so, tell me a little about, about that concept or that idea of how you view it. I think I made a decision recently that um, I was I was going to stop. Um, I was going to stop thinking about uh, having a career as an artist. Um, capital A. Um, I have no problem with having a career as a composer, as a producer, as a singer, as a piano player. Like I'm trying to do those things right now, but the idea that I would like put out music under my name and like tour under it and like uh no it's just I, like I, I told you i don't like performing like it's just there's so many reasons that that's not and i convinced myself as a younger person that like that was what i had to do you know i convinced myself that like i was good at this i was good at singing i was good at writing um people liked my shows that it was my like job to be a name in that mm. way to like have my like picture my like cd at hmv you know 
HMV. Um, <laughs> you are so all funny. You younger folks at Tower there, Records, the, coming soon at Tower Records, the artist with the capital A, Arthur <laughs> Lewis. Tower Records. Oh my That's god. Virgin store. Mega Store. These, these square things called CDs. <laughs> um, oh god. Yeah, and I was convinced that that was what I needed to do, and I had a lot of judgment around that, um, around like not having made it, um, around like the, the paths I needed to take to make that happen. Um, and I finally got to the point where I realized, like, look, I do want to make my music, and I do want to, um, I do want to express whatever it is that's in me, but I don't want to couple that with my like self worth or my ability to provide for myself or my family. Um, like I have skills that allow me to do that. You know, I have skills that let me make money. Like why would I, why would I tie that, that to something that's so ephemeral and so like just fraught with emotion and just difficult to compete? Like it didn't make mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't mathematical yeah. back then. Now it is because you've, you know done the calculations and you know yeah. what the formula is and you know for me I, I i agree with you wholeheartedly i think the minute that i was like because you you watched it with me as an artist you know like i was like capital a i was the capital a artist yeah, i remember <laughs> right like i literally had it like written on my forehead like <laughs> a and um when i came to the realization that you know what i got this kid that i have to take care of I need to like really lock in and have a, a, a consistent revenue stream so I can not just take care of him so I can do the music. And I shifted yeah. it from like, this is going to be the way I make money as opposed to like, this is the way that I'm going to have a creative release. This is going to be my therapy. Yeah. This is going to be yeah. my thing. Like you said, this is eating. This is breathing for me. So I know there are people out there right now who are pursuing it. And that's like all of their eggs in that basket. And it's like, this is the way I'm going to make it. And that's the way it's going to be. And um, what would you say to those folks? Like, it's the only thing they're working on. Should they maybe try to balance it out and have some backup plans? Because in the like dreamer, you know, uh, community, some would argue that if you bring that into your um, thinking that, okay, so let me have a backup plan that you're already like, you know, shooting yourself in the foot in terms of your dream how do you yeah. believe they should approach that or do you have any words for them yeah i mean i can't fault that especially if you're young like i can't fault anyone for saying like i'm just gonna do this i don't have a plan b i'm gonna bust my ass but like you still need to be smart about it and i think the mistake that people make this mistake that i made um when i was younger was um thinking that my talent was going to do everything for me thinking that I was like so great that I was just going to put out this album and like the world was going to change. My world was going to change and not thinking about it. Like if you're trying to start a business, you're starting a business, you know? And like, you know, I remember once years ago uh, being at a, a meetup of songwriters and one of the songwriters said, it's not fair. I just want to like be able to get paid to make, to write my songs. And, and I was, my feeling then was like, what are you talking about? There's nothing not fair about that. It's like, you're a, you're a person creating a product that there's no demand for. Like mm. no one else gets to say like, 
it's not fair. I wish I could just like, you know, invent my toasters and people would buy them. Like it's if you, not if fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if you're trying, if you, if you really want to put all your eggs in one basket, like learn how to do it, learn what that basket is, you know, learn how, like what the things, like how you're going to make money. Like, how is that going to work? What do you have to do to make it work? Um, and think about whether like, it's weird because this idea of not having a plan B, uh, doing something else is often part of plan A. You know, it's part of how you get to the point. I mean, like, I might get to the point in a few years where I'm not doing anything else, where I'm just working on music. Um, but I had to do the things that I've done. I have to keep doing the other things to eat. Um, and it's silly to make those things things that aren't uh, enjoyable or things that aren't like, you know, I could have been a, um, I could have like tended bar for a long time or I could have like not invested in another career because I didn't want to have a plan B, but like investing in, a, in another career meant that I got paid better, you know, and it meant that I could have more time to figure out the music. Like, so I don't know, it's, it's, it's both sides. I think it makes sense to, to, to not let, to not have a plan B in the sense of like, you're not going to, you know, that you're not going to give up, but I don't think that having something else that you do while you're building your musical career is giving up. I don't think that's a plan B. Does that make sense? Love that. It makes total sense. Thank you, Arthur. Um, so we're almost out of time, Arthur. So right. I want to make sure that um, I get this big question out. If there's one big golden nugget of information that you could share with like a brand new artist like I just decided yesterday that I want to like pursue uh, a career in music and I want to be you know an, a, a musician uh, a rapper a singer whatever it is a producer like I'm pursuing this dream and I'm starting today if you could give me one golden nugget what would that be honestly I think what I just said was it I think like just because you're talented, just because you're excited doesn't mean you get to be dumb. It doesn't mean you get to ignore like what's like how the industry actually works, um, what the actual path is you need to take to get to your goals. Like you still got to do all that shit no matter, still got to do all that stuff no matter how good you are at what you do. Love it. And Arthur, um, is there anything coming up that you want to share? Uh, you want to give your where they can reach you, all of that kind of stuff. Um, sure. I'm uh, I'm on all the streaming stuff, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, etc. Under Arthur Lewis. Uh, I've got a website at ArthurTheFourth.com because um, I'm the fourth Arthur in my family. Uh, I don't have much coming up because I don't like performing online. So I'm just not really doing it right now. Um, I mean, I don't like performing in general, as we discussed earlier, but like, at least in a room, you have people. Um, but yeah, you know, check out my website and, and my music online. Yep, yep. And um, what about the uh, Freestyle Love Supreme? When is that coming back? Is there any um, news on that? I know there's a documentary. Yeah, so um, there's a documentary on Hulu. On Hulu. Um, we had been talking about uh, doing a tour uh, in 2021 um i have no idea what the status of that is now um to be honest i probably wouldn't have done it anyway because i 
have kid at home and I'm not trying to leave for months. Um, But that, you know, whatever, whenever things are better, freestyle will be back. Love Um, it. And uh, and Joelle and I will be back. You know, I've been doing shows with Joelle um, for months and that's been one of my favorite creative projects and we'll start doing that again once people are doing things. Nice, nice. Well, listen, Arthur, I want to thank you for taking time out to hang out with us today and also just give you some roses and let you know that, you know, you've always been, um, you know, a kind of a fixture in my creative life in the last, I guess, 15 years. Like being in front of that, you know, band and like having you behind me or whether we were side by side doing, you know, covers or our own songs and just it was always a really you know, magical time for us. And I hope and pray that when things get better, that we can, you know, hit the stage again. That'd be great, man. I would love that. All right, Arthur, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me.